Ketubot of Samachtet, the last thing we were discussing, was Yetomot, at what point do they still get dowry from their father's assets, and what and when do they lose it? At what point would they have to protest if they didn't get the full money for the dowry? And Rav Huna explained in the name of Rabbi that the Parnasa, which is the dowry, is not like one of the conditions in the Ketubah, and we ended up explaining that if a father says, I don't want my, my daughters to eat from my assets after I die, we don't listen to him. But if he said, I don't want the dowry to come from my assets, we have to listen to him. And with that, we're starting Samach Ted Amud Aleph, first line in, first word on the page, where it says Tala. The Gemara goes back to discussing, do we, t- do we seize sold property for, in order to get this girl her dowry or not? So the Gemara starts off where Rav sent to Rabbi a letter to ask him how he's doing. And Tala Le Rav Le Rabbi, and in that uh, letter, he threw in a question. It was between the lines. Tosfot explains, he wrote a lot of questions, he folded it in a certain way, and one of those uh, lines that was folded, there was the following question. Brothers took the land that they inherited from their father and they put it as a lien. They use it as a guarantee on on a loan. What would be the halacha? Do we take that out from whoever uh, is holding it in order to get a dowry for these girls or not? So, Havayati Rabbi Hiya was sitting in front of Rabbi, and Amarlen Rabbi Hiya told him, What's the question exactly? Machru or Mishkenu? Did they sell that land or did they just put it as a collateral on the loan? So, Amarlen Rabbi told Rabbi Hiya, Mainaf Kamina, what's the difference? Ben Machru, Ben Mishkin, what they sold it or put it as uh, as a collateral, Motzi'in Lefanasa, we take uh, we take it out from whoever's holding it in order to get a dowry for the uh, the sisters, Ve'en Motzi'in Mizonot, and we don't take it out to, in order to feed them. So now the Gemara asks, Ve'rav, Rav who sent that question, Imachru kami bayade, nichtov lemachru. If his question came from land that they sold, then just write sold. Uh, they sold the land. And if the question was about a collateral, just write the collateral over there. So like Rav explains, Rav really had both questions. And he thought as follows. If I, if I would have wrote sold, the brother sold that land. Okay, I would have understood. It would have made sense. If he, if he would have said, okay, you take out that land, because kol sheken, mishkenu, all the more so if it's just a collateral. Yishalah li en motzin. The problem is if I, if he would have answered back that I don't take out land that was sold, akatem mishkenu kamibayadi, I still would have been stuck with that question, what about a collateral? And ikativ nale mishkenu, and if I would have only wrote the collateral, well, Ishallah the Enmotzin. If he would have answered me that we don't take it out, then okay, Koshik and Machru. All the more so if he, if the land was sold, that we don't take it out. But the problem is Ishallah Motzi'in, If we would have taken it out by collateral, Akatem Machru Kamibayale, and I would I would still have a problem with uh, with land that they sold. So Echtov Le Shiabedu. I'll just write that they put it on as a lien. It sounds both. It could sound like collateral and it sounds like a sale. Now, Rabbi Hanan argues on Rabbi and Amar, he holds, doesn't make a difference. Mezonot, Parnasa, dowry, food, and Motsi'in, we don't take from land 
that was uh, used as a lien on a, on a different loan. And of course, the, the the world asks, why couldn't you just ask both questions? And you have to explain that uh, once upon a time, it was hard to write uh, so many words. It was it was expensive to write, and therefore they tried to minimize the amount of words used so they could ask as many questions as possible on that uh, on that letter. Ibayalehu. So here's another question. This time it's according to Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan said it doesn't make a difference what the case is. We don't take out from land that was put as a lien. Rabbi Yohanan, did he not hear what Rabbi said? That he says that you do take out for a dowry but not from his own and if he and if he would have heard that, would he have accepted what Rabbi held? Meaning he would have gone back on what he said. Or maybe, or maybe did he hear what Rabbi had to say and he wouldn't listen anyways. So, Tashema. Day tomorrow, it was said, when a person passed away, he left two daughters and a son. And the first one got married first. She took one tenth of what was there and it belonged to her and she used it for a dowry. And the second daughter didn't get a chance to take the money for a dowry. Now the son dies, and so now everything falls in front of these two girls. Amar Yohanan, Shenia Vitra, the second one, forgot the rights to whatever was supposed to belong to her dowry, so she could take uh, an even amount in the inheritance. And the idea is very simple, because the girls don't get one-tenth when they became your shot. Once they became inheritors... They, the, that whole one-tenth for a dowry thing doesn't count anymore. This one-tenth is only when the brother's alive. The brother's not alive, too bad, it's too late. So, We said even bigger than that, that Motsi'in, we take out from the buyers who bought that land. We take it out from them, for dowry, but we don't take out to feed the girls. And you're saying, Rabbi Yohanna, that the second one forgot her 10%, meaning we would even take out the land from buyers. You don't think she would get her 10% if it fell in front of her? Now, and if Rabbi Yohanan really never heard what Rabbi had to say, who said it? Meaning you should ask him, uh, who said such a thing that I would have to listen to it? Obviously, he heard it and he didn't care. Maybe he really never heard it. And when he would hear it, he would accept it. And over here, this case with the brother and two sisters where the brother dies, maybe it's a total different case. Here, she's making a lot more money by being an inheritor rather than taking 10% for a dowry. Meaning the whole reason you got 10% is so you don't look bad in front of your husband. Here, you're for sure not looking bad in front of your husband when you're bringing half the inheritance. So now the Gemara asks, That's the case. If the girl found something on the street, It looks good for her marriage. Also in that case, we don't have to give her 10% for the dowry, meaning if she would have found a nice watch, it's worth twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, that's good enough to pay for the wedding, maybe we'd have to give her 10% also. 
Amale, Anale Vahbeta Mehane Nikseka Amina. I'm not talking about uh, money. She could have made that money for all I care. I don't care about that money. I'm talking about money from this from this from these assets. That's what's important to me. Meaning to say that that money that uh, she gets from these assets, she doesn't need that ten percent if she's getting fifty percent from the entire inheritance. And Amara Memor, Amemor said, Bat Yoreshet Avia, Bat is considered a Yoreshet. Uh, she's inheriting the money of her dowry. And Amad Ravashet Amemor, Ravashet told Amemor, if that's the case, if her brothers want to just give her money, whatever 10% uh, is, whatever the dowry is, they just want to give her cash instead of giving her part of the actual inheritance, they're not allowed to because she has an actual part of the of the inheritance. She has part of the assets. Amad and Amemor told him, yes, you're right. It, she, they can't just give her money and, and throw her out. Uh, so again, Ravashi asked the question, The same thing, if they want to give her, for instead of her dowry, instead of cash, instead of from a piece of the entire pie, they give her one land and send her out, they can't do that. And Amemor said, you're right, they cannot just do that. They can't just give her one land to get out. No, she has a right to the entire inheritance, well, 10% of it. Now, Ravashi argues in Amemor, and, and Ravashi Amar, but it's considered a balat chovavia. She's considered a creditor, meaning the brothers owe her money, and yeah, you could even give her cash and send her away. Why? The Amar of Benyomi bereid Rav Nihomi. Rav Benyomi, the son of Rav Nihomi, said, "Havaka ina kameh Amemor." I was in front of Amemor. And a woman came in front of him. She wants her dowry money from her brothers. And I was paying attention to Amemor. That if he could have finished his entire story by her getting money, he would have done it. Why? He heard the brothers telling her, If we had money, we'd give you the money. And Amemor was quiet. He didn't say anything. And it shows that, according to him, if he could have gotten away with giving her money, he would have done it to show she's a creditor. Now, by the way, Tosfot learns from here that if a dan is sitting on a case and one side said to the other case, oh, if the halakha would be like this, would you give me money? The dan has to pipe up and say the halakha, by the way, is not like that. You have to put them in their place right away from the beginning. And the Gemara asks, Now that you're saying that she's a creditor, She's the creditor of the father, meaning does the father owe her the money or do the brothers owe her the money? If she is a creditor of the brothers, she gets from the middle land, meaning not the best, not the worst, the middle, and she doesn't even have to swear. And if she's a creditor of the father, then it's like a regular creditor coming to extract them from Yatomim, that you'll get the lower level land and you have to swear that you didn't get uh, you didn't get the paid back from different uh, asset. So my, what would be Allah? Is she a creditor of the brothers or the father? You see that Ravina, he extracted payment for the daughter of Ravasheh, Mimor Bere de Ravasheh, from more Ravasheh's son, which was the, the girl's uh, brother, it was from the medium land, not Bishwa, because she she, uh, she was his creditor. She was her brother's creditor. And Mibere de Ravsama Bere Ravashe and Ravashe's second son of Sema, 
he passed away and uh, his part of the inheritance went to his uh, children, so it's Ravash's uh, grandchild. And so when she came to him, it was Ziburit Bishvu'ah. She came and she extracted payment from the lower level of her brother of Sema's part, but she had to swear about it because she was taking it from Yatomim. Now, bottom line is the fact that she extracted payment from her brother Benonit, the middle level land, without a Shiva, shows you that she was a creditor of her father. Now, here's another case a woman came to uh, Baba Rav Huna and she wanted to take out the 10% uh, for her dowry. But she came to Rabbi Nehemiah, can you write me a letter, you know, to speak with the, with the rabbi? So, Shalah, of Nehemiah, Bered of Yosef, of Nehemiah sent a letter to Rabbi Ravuna Zuta, Minha De'a, Ki Atya Hayit Etak Kamach, when this woman comes in front of you, Agba, Isun Echasim, let her get 10% from her brother's assets, Afilu Mitzrabula, even from that circle area around the millstone, where the millstone is on top of that, even that area, so this way the flower doesn't spread, it just uh, stays in that stone area, even let her get that. Amar ki avina when I was by Ravkana's house, hava I would take for the, the panasa of the, of the yetoma, I would even take from the rent money he has of properties. He would take from that money and give it to her if she needs the money. Dowry, bezonot. So now, Shalah le Rav Anan le Rav Huna. Rav Anan sent a question to Rav Huna. Huna havrin shalam. Huna, our friend, peace to you. Ki atya When this woman comes to you, agaba isur nechzeh, let her take 10% from her, of her father's assets. So now, Havayativ Rav Sheshat, Kamir Rav Sheshat was in front of Rav Huna when he saw this. It, it was disgusting. You're calling me Huna, your friend? I'm much older than you. Amar Les, Rav Huna told Rav Sheshat, Zil Emale, I want you to go tell Rav Huna in this language. And whoever doesn't say the following words is going to be in Harim. Anan Anan, call him Anan Anan. Don't even call him Rav Anan, call him Anan Anan. And then ask him the question. When you take out payment, that 10%, you take it only from land or even from movable objects? And also ask him another question. Who sits at the head of a Be'emarzeha? Now the Gemara is going to explain it. Be'emarzeha is a, is a Avelut house. Who's the who's going to sit at the head? Does the Avel sit there? Does the, the Menachamim sit at the head? Who sits at the head? Nishtam Ekubetzet explains. He asked him a question that he didn't understand the meaning, just to prove to him, you don't understand this simple stuff, and you're calling me Huna, your friend? So now Rav Anan gets the, the letter. And he's looking, he's looking at it, and uh, he couldn't believe it. So Azal Rav Anan came to Morokva. So he goes to Morokva. Amale, he tells Morokva, "Hazeh Mor Hechi Shalach Li Ravuna." I want you to see what Ravuna sent me. He calls, he's calling me Anan Anan. That's not nice. Ve'od in between me and you, I don't understand the second question. Marzeha the Shalach Li. This question about the Marzeha, Lord Anan, my new. I don't even know what it is. So Amale Morokva told Rav Anan, "Emali Izi, my friend, tell me." What happened in that story over there? Why is he calling you Ananan? So Ahmad told him, He told him the story was like this. I called him Huna, uh, friend. So, so Morakva explained to him, He's basically saying, You don't even know what the word Marzeha means. You're sending to Ravuna, Huna, our friend. So the Gemara asks, My Marzeha, so what's his Marzeha? Gemara explains, Avel, it's an Avel. 
Hashem told him, Yeah, don't go to the Bet Avelim to comfort them. And I'm already a boom, minayin l'avel shemisav berosh. How do we know the navel sits at the, at the head and everyone comforts him? Shneimar, if hada kam veshev rosh, veshkon kemelech bagedud kasher avelim yenachem. And you see, you sit at the head uh, like a king and the zodewain avel comforts. Yenachem macharim ashma. Now, yenachem sounds like the avel is comforting other people. So Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak yenucham ketiv. No, we spell it yenucham and it. Meaning he's comforted by people. Morzutra Amar Meacha. He learns that Mazeh means Avel and Avel sits at the beginning from the following pasuk. Vesar Mirzah Seruhim. Mar Vezah. Someone who is, uh, is bitter and his mind is removed, meaning he's not paying attention. Naaseh Sar Lisruhim. He's the head of the, the people who are not, not doing well, meaning the people who are comforting him. Everyone's bad, he's the head of it. Rava says, you when you when you extract payment for the woman, for the daughters, they get from land, not from movable property. Whether it's to give them food, whether it's to give the the the, the almana or the her money, whether it's even for the dowry. And the reef, Tosfot, and other Rishonim say that today uh, we are going we extract payment from even movable property for the girl's dowry because we assess that the father would want to give even from movable property. Very interesting, Sugi, how things changed over time. Next, Mishnah. If a person gives a third party money to his, uh, to his and you're going to go buy land for my daughter. She's saying, Neiman Bali Allah, I give it to my husband. I want him to deal with the, the, the real estate. Yaseh Shalish Mashu Shlash Beado, the very Bimir. Bimir says that uh, that messenger, that third party, should do exactly what he was told. Her father said, buy her a land. He buys her a land and do with it what he wants afterwards. Rabbi Yasi Omer, Vehi Enaela Sadeh. All it is is Sadeh. Vehiro Tsali Mukhan, she's going to want to sell it. It's as if it's sold right now. Meaning instead of that, that third party, that messenger, buying the land, giving it to her, she's selling it and, and taking the money, giving it to her husband, just give the money to her husband from the beginning. And again, when do we listen to her? Only if she's older. Whatever the Ktana does is, is nothing anyways. I think it starts. If a person gives his son-in-law money, go buy land for my daughter. She's saying, no, give it to my husband. If she's already married, she could do whatever she wants. She could say, give it to my husband. If she's still engaged, the shaliyah should do whatever he was told to do. That If she's older, Ben mina nisuin or ben mina irusin doesn't make a difference if she's married or still engaged. Hashud meada, it's up to her. She could tell the shaliyah to do whatever she wants. Ketanaf, she's still young. Ben mina nisuin, ben mina irusin, whether she's married or just engaged. Yaseh shalish mashur shlash beado. Shalish should do whatever he was told to do. My benai, what's the difference between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi? Ile maktana min nisuin ekabenai. If you want to say. That if Ketana was married, that there be meir savar hashud be that according to be meir, the difference would be is that she would be, she she has permission even though she's a Ketana, she's married and therefore she has permission to do whatever she wants. 
באתר רבי יוסי נאמר, כמה שרבי יוסי אנסז, אפילו מנישואין נאמי גדולה, אין קטנה לו, that even if they are married, still, I don't care if she's a קטנה, the answer is no, only if she's a גדולה, or she could, you could give it to her husband, and only then you listen to her. If that's the difference, then אמאסף, then look at the second part of the משנה. It says, אבל בקטנה אין מעשה קטנה כלום, אבל with a קטנה, whatever she did is worthless. האמן קטנה לה, who wrote that? אילה מה רבי יוסי? If it's Rabbi Yossi, HaMeresha Shemotmina, we already learned that from the beginning of the Mishnah. The Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi said, V'chiyena ela sadeh, it's just a sadeh, V'yirotzal mochan, she wants the salad. Hari kem mechoram me'ashav, it's like it's as if it's sold from now. And you have to say, Gedola debat zebine in, a Gedola who has the ability to sell property, then you listen to her, Ketana delav bat zebine hi, a Ketana who cannot sell property, no, no. Right? You don't listen to her. So why does Rebiosi have to go back and explain everything that's dafka with the gdola, not a ktana? Ela, you have to explain that the sefa is Rebi Meirhi. V'chisurei mechasera. And it's missing words. V'hachi katana. And this is the way you're supposed to explain our Mishnah. Or this is the, the text that should be in the Mishnah. Ya'asea shalish mashu shlash bi'ado. That the messenger should do whatever he was told to do. When do we say that? Mina irusin. That's only if they're engaged. Once they're married, she has permission to do whatever she wants. And what are we talking about? Whatever the Ketana wants, we don't care. So now we're back to the question. If that's the case with the Ketana from the Nisuin, whether it's Rabi Meir or Rabi Yossi, we don't listen to her. So what's the difference between Rabi Meir and Rabi Yossi? Ela, the Gemara explains, Gedola mina irusin ikabeneu, a Gedola who's engaged. That according to Rabbi Yossi, we listen to her. According to Rabbi Meir, we don't listen to her. The Shaliyah should do what he was told to do. Itmal, and it was said, Rav Yudah Amar Shemuel Halacha Kerabbi Yossi, that with the Gedola from the Irusin, you listen to her. And Rabbi Amar Rav Nachman Halacha Kerabbi Meir, that even if she's a Gedola from the Irusin, you don't listen to her until she's actually married. Now, what's the reason? Because you have to listen to Divrei Hamet. Whatever the Met says, you got to listen to him. And the Gemara brings a famous story. Now, this story is in Ta'anit of Kaf Aleph, where Ilfa and Rabbi Hanan learned Torah together. Ilfa went to work, Rabbi Hanan stayed, he became a Shiva, and people said, Ilfa, you could have been Rosh Shiva if you stayed a little bit longer. And he said, he went and he stood on top of a boat and said, I'm just a smart, ask me anything. So the question was in regards to Asugya. Ilfa, he went and stood on top of the mast of a boat, and Amar, and he said, I want someone to come over you and tell me something from the Shiva, Rabbi Hayyan, Rabbi Shaya, I'm not going to find uh, something connected from the Mishnah. I'll jump off this mast and, and drown it in the water. So Atahu Sava, as an elderly rabbi came to him, Tana, then he told him a brayta. Zahaomer, tenu shekel lebanai beshabbat. If a person says, I want you to give, uh, I'm going to pass away. I want you to give my children one shekel, which is half of a selah to my little kids per week. And then inflation happened, everything went up. Uruin leten lehem selah. And in order for them to eat the same amount, you have to give them a selah, a full selah, not half a selah, which is a shekel, a full selah. Then we give them a full selah because if the father would have known that this is uh, this is going to be the price of food, he would have told him to give him a little bit more. But if he said the words, don't give them more than a shekel, only give them a shekel. Then you don't give them only a shekel. If he said the words that if they die without children, other people should inherit their, 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 their my money, their money, it's my money, 
Ben Shamatin, whether he said give a shekel, Ben Shamat Altitno, or he said only give them a shekel, at all costs, you only give them a shekel because it's all you want to give and you want to give the rest to other people. And Amar Le and Ilfasad Hamani, who is this who holds that you only give them a shekel even though it's really their money? You have to say it's Rabbi Meir, it's like Rabbi Meir, like in Amishnah, the Amar. Rabbi Meir is the one who said that the Shalish should do what he was told to do because because there's a mitzvah to listen to the words of the deceased. And the same way when he said only give them a shekel, even though things went up, you only give them a shekel. Same thing with this case when he gave the Shalish money to go buy land. You only buy land and nothing else. And Amar of Hazda, Amar Mor whether he said give them only a shekel or whether he said give them a shekel doesn't make a difference if they need sale or not also can we give them whatever they need but we have like Rabbi Meir is supposed to listen to the deceased the Gemara explains that's in other stuff but over here the deceased is happy, he's, he's, he's okay with them getting more food. He's just trying to, uh, you know, to, to move them a little bit. This way, uh, you know, they're not relying only on his money. They go work, they get jobs, they, you know, they, they pay for their own bills. He didn't want them to be living off of daddy's money. But if uh, things went up, he also meant to give them money. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Amen Amen.